You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton, here at AmericaOutloud.com. we got a great show for you today, and as usual, you're going to get the unvarnished opinions of yours truly when it comes down to law enforcement topics. So, without further ado, let's take a walk into the briefing room, where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. I want to tell you about a message I got on Facebook, and it was it was something that really touched me. Um, it's it's been it's been out on a number of pages, of course, because other people have been touched by this as well. But I want to I want to read it to you verbatim. This was from a law enforcement officer. It's entitled "A Gift." Blaze Madrid Evans, badge number 1744, an officer with the Independence Police Department in Missouri, was shot and killed by a felon. Officer Madrid Evans was 22 years old. On July 8, 2021, he graduated from the police academy. Mark Preeb, badge number 1062, an officer with the Springfield Police Department, was run over on June 9, 2020 leaving him paralyzed. May of 2021 marks Officer Preeb's 22-year with the Springfield Police Department. Around July 8, 2021, Mark was told he was going to need to start dialysis and have a kidney transplant. September 15, 2021, Officer Madrid Evans, along with his field training officer, responded to a call at a home. It was at that home where he was shot. He was transported to a local hospital where he later died. His FTO returned fire, killing the suspect. On Thursday, July, excuse me, on Thursday, September 16th, we received a call from a friend and officer with the Springfield Police Department about a potential direct donor. Mark's information was passed along, and throughout the day, the transplant team worked to see if Mark and the donor were compatible. At 12.12 a.m. on Friday, September 17th, we received the call that Mark was a match to the donor. We packed our bags and left home at 3.45 and headed for St. Louis University Hospital for admission. Saturday, September 18th at 8.30 p.m., surgery was started on Mark for a kidney transplant. At 10.21 p.m., the new kidney was in and had blood flow. At 11.43 p.m., Mark's surgeon was closing the incision, and Mark is the official recipient of one of Officer Blaze Madrid Evans' kidneys. Yes, you heard right. Independence Police Officer Blaze Madrid Evans was an organ donor, and Springfield Police Officer Mark Preeb was the recipient of one kidney. September 18, 2021 was also National Thank a Police Officer Day. While we will never formally be able to thank Blaze for the job he chose and for his gift of donation, we will be able to thank his family. September 18th will be an anniversary for our family. It will always be a bittersweet day. We will remember Blaze and his generous donation. We will remember his family 
for supporting his decision of organ donation. It will be a day that we will encourage others to consider organ donation. The day Mark got the call from SPD about this situation, he was speechless. Our hearts were broken because a young, new officer had lost his life doing a job that had been so criticized this last couple of years. But Mark also looked at this as an honor to carry the kidney that was donated to him from a thin blue line brother. The journey we have been on the last several days cannot be made up. This journey has been led by someone that has heard our prayers and he heard your prayers. Officer Blaise Madrid Evans will be laid to rest later this week. We ask that you keep his family in your thoughts and prayers in the days and weeks ahead. We ask that you respect their privacy through this journey. I cannot stress this enough. Please don't overwhelm them with friend requests. You may leave messages here for them or on the post made by Independence Police Department. We also ask that you keep the officer that was with Blaze that day in your thoughts and prayers as well as the entire Independence Police Department. This is something no department ever wants to go through. My tears this week have been tears of joy and tears of sorrow. As I type this post, I have found myself with tears of sorrow. I had no idea organ donation and transplant would bring so many emotions. Tonight, my tears are for Blaze, his family, his friends, and his co-workers. Blaze, may you rest in peace and know we have it from here. Thank you for your gift of organ donation. Thank you for giving my husband a second chance. Thank you for Connor and Chloe's dad a second chance. I look forward to meeting you in heaven one day and saying thank you. Well, I I guess you could gather that that Facebook post came from Heather Preeb along with her husband, Mark. Um, I really thought that this was something very appropriate to share on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, because it shows not just the service and sacrifice of law enforcement officers across the nation, but also it, it is a stark reality check for all of us just how fleeting life can be. And even in death, this officer was able to give the gift of life. So this is something to be thought about with pride, with sorrow, and with honor. Good luck, Mark. I'm so glad that you received your kidney, and I know that this will help you on your life's journey. Now let's get on to some of the news of the day. You know, um, it's it's one of those, I guess, timeless moments when you realize that you have it so lucky that no matter what you think the challenges are that you're facing, that there are so many people that are facing so much greater challenges. I think we really need to take stock of what we have, who we are, our good fortune, 
and understand that through compassion and empathy, we can touch the lives of other people. All right, I'm done with my soapbox, my friends. Let's get on to uh, some of the usual craziness that is uh, affecting law enforcement officers all over America. Let's see. All right, first one I want to read is a little bit of good news. Grand jury clears Portland cop in shooting that sparked riot over false rumors of suspects' race. You probably remember this. There was a shooting. I'll, I'll read this to you. This is from the Police Tribune. A grand jury cleared a Portland police officer who fatally shot a man during a welfare check in June, sparking riots after Black Lives Matter activists and Antifa incorrectly assumed the suspect was black and then attacked the police at the crime scene. This is covered a lot if you remember. This was televised quite a bit. The incident occurred just after 7 p.m. June 24th when Portland police officers from the North Precinct attempted to conduct a welfare check on a man in a Motel 6. After officers arrived with paramedics, they encountered a man matching the description of an officer-involved shooting and an officer-involved shooting took place. Our officer encountered a very difficult and dynamic situation that no one wants to face, said the Portland Police Bureau Chief Chuck Lavelle. Witnesses told KOIN that the incident began as a fight between two men, one who stabbed the other. Surveillance video from the hotel showed the suspect identified as 40-year-old Michael Ray Townsend sitting on the steps of the motel talking to three police officers and three medics. Suddenly, the police officers backed away. A black officer, later identified as Officer Curtis Brown, drew his weapon, pointed it at Townsend. At the same time, Townsend extended his arm, pointing something at the officers and the medics. The video showed the suspect advanced on the officers and medics who were backing away from him and then lunged at Officer Brown. Officer Brown, an 18-year veteran of the police department, police force, opened fire. The suspect's weapon turned out to be a deadly, hand-sharpened screwdriver. The suspect was transported to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Moments after the shooting occurred, a crowd of Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters began to gather. They started out chanting, but the situation quickly escalated to an attack on the officers. Officers had to bring in reinforcements to quell the attacks. Protesters attacked police vehicles, smashing windows and puncturing tires. Officers were brought in from other areas of the city to help protect the crime scene. So once again, we have Black Lives Matter, who is basically running the narrative through the media about the anti law enforcement rhetoric that's been destroying areas of Portland as well as cities across the United States. So as sports figures and celebrities and major corporations and sports teams all talk so highly and give millions and millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, understand this. They're a hate group. They hate law enforcement. They have no credibility. Show me one positive thing that they have done. Because it doesn't exist. 
And this is just one more, one more item that we can point to and at the same time celebrate the fact that law enforcement continues to serve despite all of this insanity. We'll talk about insanity. Let's, let's, let's stay on the, on the left coast. This is also from the Police Tribune. Proposal to add Oakland Police Academies reignites debate over financing public safety. The proposal comes three months after the city decided to give the police department less money. This is actually from the East Bay Times. It's an article. Less than three months after it decided to give the police department less money than what the mayor had proposed, the Oakland City Council is now wading into a new debate about whether more officers are needed to tackle this year's surge of gun violence. Now, we all know that it, the violence in Oakland is, is absolutely astounding. Hundreds of murders, shootings every single night. And yet the police department is being underfunded and being, being uh, criticized by the very people who are, who are holding their purse strings. District 4 City Council member Sheng Tao was among the council majority who shot down Mayor Libby Shah's proposal, creating a stir last week, which he announced a plan to add two more police academies than the four scheduled over the next couple of years to boost the number of police officers on the street. I think Oakland needs more and better policing, Thao said in an interview. Before they can hit the streets, police officers must undergo rigorous training for 27 weeks at the police academies. Now, this is the, the conundrum that the police face. If they don't have the manpower to actually investigate crime and curtail violence, then they get criticized for not doing the job. And yet this very, the very people who are responsible for funding them are these insane activists who really care nothing about the public safety, but only want to damage law enforcement. So they're, they're already down. They're already down. They, they froze 57 spots. That is 57 police officer spots. The city council already has basically said, we're not going to hire anybody anymore. They're already down from what their strength should be. Well, now... Uh, now, this is in a press release last week. Police Union President Barry Donlin linked to the council to the violence. He said, quote, The ongoing vilification of Oakland police officers by city council members has helped drive attrition within the police department, end quote, and noted that the number of officers had fallen to below 700 for the first time in years. He said, On average, the police department loses 10 officers a month mainly to other agencies where their service is valued, unlike Oakland. The department is authorized to have 737. And that doesn't include the 55 frozen positions that the council froze. And even 737 officers may not be enough to curb the violence, said the police chief. In a written statement, the police chief, Leron Armstrong, said the city must evaluate whether 737 
is the appropriate number of officers needed to address the increase in violent crimes, calls for service, and the federal oversight that we at OPD are being asked to address. He said the combination of these factors is beginning to have a substantial impact on our officers' wellness, both physically and mentally. Although we have fewer staff members, they are still responsible for managing the same day-to-day workload that we had when they were fully staffed. And then you, you get, you get the, the city council people who, who live in their own little bubbles. Um, the vice mayor, Rebecca Kaplan, said, we need to fix the core failures of the police department adding that she wants more information about how the police department is planning to remedy recruiting issues and, of course, retain a diversity of officers, including women, before she commits to adding academies. Council President Nikki Fortnato-Bass said she is wary of spending more money on policing. She said our public budget really needs to have the company evaluation in terms of effectiveness. I've been really clear I want our public safety infrastructure to be effective, with effective and accountable policing, as well as public parks, libraries, jobs, housing. All those things together make safer and more stable communities. So, in other words, she wants to take the money that they need to hire cops, train cops, and she wants to give it to other city departments so they can piss it away, as they've been doing for year after year after year. Meanwhile, The body count rises in Oakland. Violence in the streets is out of control. They are are totally without a meaningful strategy to deal with it. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to lead to further and further people dying in the streets. But you don't have to go just to California to find insanity. In New York, the new governor who replaced that that useless Cuomo is apparently following in his footsteps. New York Governor Hochul orders immediate release of 191 Rikers Island inmates, citing, quote, technical violations. According to Hochul, the inmates have served their sentences. Well, no, they haven't. But here's what they're doing. They're saying that if you're a parole offender, they're not going to count the fact that you violated your parole against you. So now they're releasing all the parole offenders, and they're claiming that well, hey, they they actually they actually serve their their sentences. It's it's just the, it's the continuing insanity of the liberal left holding no one accountable except the police. They don't care about holding criminals accountable. They only want to hold the quote. Police accountable, unquote. Well, see how that works out for New York as they release another 200 violent inmates onto the streets of New York City. Well, that's about all the time we've got for today. I want to thank you for joining me here, Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. And I would really ask that you support The Wounded Blue. Go to www.thewoundedblue.org. This amazing organization is helping thousands and thousands of law enforcement officers who have been injured, disabled, 
physically and psychologically in the line of duty. They need your help. They need your support. Go to thewoundedblue.org. And if you are a law enforcement officer, don't forget, we've got the Law Enforcement Survival Summit coming up October 28th through the 30th. Go to thewoundedblue.org and register there. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. You know, Healthy Cell is a terrific lineup of products. They have products that are pill-free, gel-packed vitamins, uh, looking for better sleep, focus, and energy. Check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy Cell has a product that helps REM sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep supplement. The only sleep supplement that's designed to support all stages of sleep. And boy, is it needed now during all the stress of the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any product from Healthy Cell. I use them every day. I believe in them. And you should too. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. I'm not sure there's been a more dangerous time to be a law enforcement officer in America. Besides the, the physical attacks, there is all the social media nonsense taking place and and all i mean it's just it's a it's a really tough time but one of the things that's that technology is is been not the not the officer's friend is the ability for people to dox cops that is to find their personal information and utilize it for nefarious purposes now this tech type of technology is everywhere if you know how to use it and there's there's very few ways that a cop can protect himself. Well, now there is a way. Um, I got a I got a, a, a friend named named Peter James, and Pete James is a retired cop, and he started a company called OfficerPrivacy.com. This is really really something I want you to listen to. He's developed a way to get your personal records off of the internet. 
That's right. You can get your personal identifying information off of the internet so that people cannot find you, dox you, um, place your family in jeopardy, etc. It's officerprivacy.com. Now, besides doing that, and it's, it's not expensive at all, besides doing that, he's now, he's now working with um, another law enforcement officer, Covert Media Consulting, and the owner of that is John Hawk, a 13-year law enforcement veteran who's uh, assigned to a violent crime task force. And what they have done, they have put together a training course that can be utilized that will help officers' safety when it comes down to issues like this. So I want you to go to uh, officerprivacy.com. Check it out. It's, it's, this is not expensive. It is life-altering stuff because you know when you have peace of mind that you are safer and your family is safer. You're going to be better at your job. So check it out, officerprivacy.com. With me today in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, is Pat Kinney. Pat is the president of the North Bend, Oregon Police Officers Association. He is also a 17-year veteran of that police department, a 29-year veteran of law enforcement and military service. Pat, thanks so much for joining me today here at uh, Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. Thank you for having me, Randy. So, Pat, we we uh, began corresponding because of uh, some really disturbing stuff that's taking place on the North Bend Police Department. Now, North Bend is a very small community in Oregon, and you, when you came on the job, your which was seventeen years ago, you had how many police officers? At that time, we had 23 uh, officers assigned to um, our police department, and that's not including um, our police chief and police captain. Okay. Now, we are, that was 17 years ago. Has the population of the city increased or decreased? Uh, Increased significantly. And how many police officers do you have today? 13. So you're, you, you've, you've lost almost, I mean, what, 40% of your department? That's correct. Explain to me what is going on in North Bend that has led to this, this severe decrease in police personnel. Is this related to the political situation that's been that's been you know resounding across the country or is this internal politics what is the what what is going on in north bend and is it is it well let's 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 examine what's happening first i know that you guys your police officers association just held a vote of of no confidence in your in your um public administration the um the town what what i what is the town administrator is that it the name yes uh this it's the city administrator uh no iron so this the, your police union that just voted uh unanimously a no confidence vote in your city administrator that's an unusual set of circumstances isn't it it is um 
what led what so what is going on that led you to um to this vote well i i think a lot of it has to do with internal politics um and our situation fiscally started um several years ago uh oregon law says that um, a municipality can only raise its property taxes by 3% a year. Uh, normally speaking, in Oregon, most uh, city law enforcement agencies are completely funded by property tax. Our city government, uh, several years ago, uh, elected not to do those 3% yearly increases, leading to uh, a few years ago, there being a deficit in the annual cost uh, to the budget of our police department and our fire department uh, and what the city was actually bringing in as revenue in our property taxes. So a few years ago when that occurred, they created uh, what they termed the public safety fee, which was attached to uh, every citizen's water bill. So not, not just property owners, but uh, businesses and uh, people that rent homes and apartments in our city. Um, basically, it, it, it created a, you know, for, for lack of better terms, a fair all the way across the board uh, source of income to offset the loss uh, and deficit created by not increasing property taxes for several years. Okay. So let me stop you there. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a novel approach. <laughs> was, was it, uh, was when you compare what was brought in between property taxes and the, what would have been a 3% increase in them. And then the, the fifth, $15 fee for everybody that gets a water bill. Was it about equal? Um, it, yeah, it was quite, a, it was quite a bit, um, quite a bit of money. I mean, at the, at the time it brought, it allowed uh, both our, our fire department and our police department to um, start operating in the green again and bring staffing levels back up to, um, you know, nationally recognized standards for the size of our community. Um, ultimately, it wound up getting increased all the way up to $30 a month, um, which led to the citizens um, basically voting. Um, they got a, a ballot measure placed on this last uh, election, I believe, um, that allowed the water bill to be, or the, the public safety fee to be decreased from $30 to $15 with a, basically a cap. The city's not allowed to increase that or any other bills uh, without voter approval. Um, that led to us operating in the red again. Um, and in order to offset that, we lost personnel from our fire department, our police department, and our, our shared uh, dispatch center. How long ago was that? 
That was about uh, about two years ago, I believe. So two years ago, you lost how many personnel? Um, we lo- I want to say we lost uh, about four or five positions from police. Um, we lost one full-time dispatch position um, and a couple of fire positions. Okay, so there, so there was a decrease in the revenue stream coming into fund public safety, and, and some people lost their jobs as a result. Now we're two years down the road. How did, where are you at now as far as, as public safety goes? We have been cut so thin. Um, those cuts continued, um, even though we're still receiving a $15 a month public safety fee from our, our citizens. Um, we've lost additional dispatch positions, lost additional police positions, both in patrol and in our uh, supervisor ranks. Uh, we lost a full-time sergeant position um, leading to a situation where in order to operate um, with any type of minimal safety and minimal standards, uh, essentially all time off has been placed on freeze uh, in order to have a day off or an illness, like a, like a regularly scheduled day off, or if you're ill or injured, uh, it requires overtime to fill those positions. Um, and essentially where we're operating at now is, well, about 40% less than we were in 2004 with, uh, you know, an increase in population and an increase, I mean, a substantial increase due to, uh, you know, technological and generational uh, changes uh, between now and 2004, our, our calls for service have almost doubled. So what, what took place that, that made, well, wait, let me, let me clarify something. because It just hit me what you just said. So, you know, normal, what kind of shifts do you work? Do you work three on or four on three off or is it a, how does your, your normal patrol shift work? So right, right now, uh, the patrol division operates on 10-hour shifts, four 10-hour shifts with three days off. Okay, so now, in order to take your three days off, are you saying they have to bring people in on overtime? Yes. That's insane. Yep. Um, the last, uh, I want to say, four months, um, our department has been averaging 500 hours of overtime a month at a cost of like $23,000 a month. Who's, whose bright idea was this? Well, um, under our city chapter, uh, the city administrator is responsible for uh, employing employees and uh, also the basically the fiscal and structure and organizational structure of every department in the city. So did, did your city administration change or did, did what happened that, that, that for, that made this, this untenable situation possible? So we were in, um, you know, aside from being an association, we're also represented by uh, Teamsters, uh, 
as, as our, our bargaining unit. Um, and about, well, uh, two, two and a half years ago, we entered our, our normal three-year contract negotiation with, with the city. And during that time, our previous city administrator uh, retired and the city council hired uh, the city administrator, David Milliron, as his replacement. Uh, at the conclusion of our contract negotiations, uh, that's about the same time that we started having positions cut. Um, when staff have left, I mean, given us a department our size, we've had since that time, um, we've had two police officers quit and go to jurisdictions that pay them significantly less, like $2,000 a month less. Um, we've ha also had two, two personnel go out on medical stress leave. And so, some of those positions have been permanently cut. And it, it just seems as though almost every time somebody leaves, there's a vacancy or an opening to cut a position, um, that's happening. Well, if you don't replace people, then you have to make up for that lag in, in covering overtime. Correct. And, but, but that... That's not something that is fiscally responsible at all. Did is, does your chief have some sense of a, a working relationship with this administrator and the city council? Um, I, I I don't know about his relationship with um, the city administrator or the city council. Um, I do know that um, he's been with us for. A few years and is a, is a good police chief. I mean, he's a good man with a good heart and he's smart. Well, so, so the town administrator is pulling the strings. Is that what I'm getting from this? Yes. You, your, and your police association, I mean, in, in essence, what you're telling me is that 14 cops simply cannot police your community effectively. Oh, absolutely not. And does the city council, do they care? Thus far, they have not made any comment uh, regarding our situation or, or regarding the uh, vote of no confidence that we submitted to them. Um, they, every, every month when they hold their uh, council meetings, they're provided with how much overtime it's costing to run things. Um, and no, the only change that's been made is further cuts. What's the morale in the department now? Um, it's completely wrecked. I, I mean, you have, so every member of our department, um, our department is very family-based. Um, we consider each other family. And as long as I've been there, uh, we've considered our community, our family as well. And we have excellent working relationship with our community and all of the other 
law enforcement agencies in the region. Um, 15 to 17 years ago, when I hired in, uh, North Bend was the agency to work for in our region. Um, everybody wanted to work for North Bend. Uh, there was 290 applicants for my one position when I applied. Wow. Uh, now we are, when we, when we do try to hire, uh, you're, you're lucky if you get 10 to 15 applicants for multiple positions. Right. Because uh, everybody, everybody knows that uh, in a small community, what's going on politically. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. So you guys have been pared down to the point where nobody can take a day off, where the overtime is insane. You can't, you can't, um, uh, that means, that also means that training time is also affected, correct? Oh, completely. Um, our, our training, uh, we can't even use our training budget. Um, so in, in Oregon, you have the Department of Public Safety Standards and Training, which oversees basically the certifications of all sworn police officers throughout the state. Um, much like any other state, they issue training requirements in order to maintain your certification. And I'll use myself as an example. Uh, last year, I did not meet the training uh, required to maintain my certification. Um, I only had, I think I had 11 hours of training last year that was all in service. Um, fortunately, uh, because of COVID, uh, there's a, a moratorium in, in not decertifying officers that aren't doing that. But they, have, but, but they are setting you literally setting you up for failure. And at the same time, a, a, a police department that is not fully trained is also a, a dangerous situation for, for the police and the public. Absolutely. Absolutely. And has this been pointed out to your administrator? Yes. What's his response? None. Wow. No. Okay. So let me ask you this. Are the other public safety departments like the fire department, are they also, have they been pared down to nothing as well? No, uh, quite the opposite, actually. Um, so, I mean, over the last year, um, when the fire department has had retired, you know, uh, officers retiring from their agency, uh, they get to hire a replacement six months in advance of that retirement or, or that person leaving. Um, and their staffing has increased. Uh, same with just about every um Every branch of city government has shown budget and staffing increases while, while we continue to decrease. Do you think, do you, what, do you think this is because of a political vendetta? I, I think part of it is, is an internal, internal political issue. Um, I think the other part of it is, is, uh, um, just the way that policing is now viewed nationally. Uh, we're unfortunately, we're the first ones that people call when they need something, but we're the last ones that they actually want. Well, this is, this is a, a this is a really bad situation. This is unsafe for you and all the cops that are working there. It's unsafe for the citizens. And, um, and we're, 
and, and right now you're kind of in limbo. There's, there's besides this vote that you guys took, is there anything else that you guys can do to try and remedy the situation? Well, uh, right now, what, what we're doing is uh, hoping that uh, things will change for our, our membership, uh, mainly because, I mean, people's, aside from morale, health and, and, and welfare has gone significantly down. Um, you can't work nonstop and not have uh, physical and mental health problems. Um, and basically, like you pointed out, the, the training levels going down, staffing levels going down, working nonstop, physical and mental health related issues. The service that we're providing our citizens, um, they, they, they deserve better. And all of that's, that is our chief complaint is that our, our citizens deserve better, but we can't, we just can't physically give it to them with the state of things. Wow. So right now you're, you're kind of in limbo and, uh, and you're having to deal with this. And, and this comes at the same time that the laws have changed in Oregon to the point where most radical anti-law enforcement law enforcement legislation has now kicked in as well. It's, it's insane. Um, you know, with the drug law changes, uh, the public, uh, public property laws that have changed, allowing people to basically um, occupy public space, uh, the overall quality uh, of quality of life in our entire region is steadily going down, which also causes, as you can imagine it, a substantial increase in the request for police services. Well, well, um, well I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to your town, your city administrator and try and get comment from him. And uh, I'll check back in with you. I think we need to, we need to stay in touch and and uh, determine if there is going to be any type of changes coming your way. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that that your cops care, and it's not that you guys don't want to do the job. You're simply being put into position. You're being set up to fail. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no, no doubt about it. My, my people are absolutely in a meat grinder right now and we're doing the best that we can, but it's going to require uh, somebody at the top levels of our city government to implement changes in order to maintain any type of um, services, much less the bare minimum, or um, we're going to continue to see people leaving and um, the quality of service going down. All right, Pat Kinney, the Police Officers Association President of the North Bend Police Department. Thanks so much for coming on to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, telling us about this, just this horrendous situation that you and your, your officers are facing um, in, uh, in this politically charged environment that we're in now. I wish you the best of luck and and uh, and stay safe.
Thank you, Randy. And thank you for all that you're doing for law enforcement across our country. We all appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Pat. Hi, this is Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. And everybody is shopping online now, right? Everybody is is going and getting their wares because it's convenient, it's easier. But here's the problem. I don't like giving my money to companies that simply don't go along with the values that I believe are important. I value patriotism. I value love of country. I value our police. I value our army and our navy and our military. I believe that these are really important values. And unfortunately, a lot of the big players in online shopping, they don't. They Instead, they, they promote a bunch of, of, of activists that that truly do not even like our country. I don't like it. So, but, you know, what else are you going to do? There's pretty much just been one game in town. Well, that's changing right now. That's changing because now there is ShopToTheRight.com. Now, ShopToTheRight.com is a new endeavor, but it is it is gaining traction. For shopping online and putting your, your wares online, if you are a business, and, and looking for customers that care about the country, they care about patriotism, care about values that the most of us uh, do share. And, and, and it really comes down to this. Do you want to give your money to companies that promote organizations that actually sometimes even call for the overthrow of our nation? Not me. I don't want to. Well, I never had much of a choice, but now we do. ShopToTheRight.com. You've got to check it out. Whether you are shopping or you are selling and you're a company, check it out. ShopToTheRight.com. Tell them Randy sent you. For all of my law enforcement, active and retired, great announcement. Something you, especially if you're working, whether you are a patrol officer or you're a chief, you want to listen to this because you want to sign up for this ASAP. The Wounded Blue, which is, of course, the organization that I founded, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, is announcing right now, for the first time, the Law Enforcement Survival Summit that is being hosted by the Wounded Blue at the Ahern Hotel in Las Vegas, October 28th. 29 and 30. This is the one training event that you want to attend because it's about everything that involves surviving a law enforcement career. It encompasses physical survival, tactics by two of the most incredible and experienced instructors, Dave and Betsy Smith. They together have have probably saved more lives than than uh, any other duo in training history. Dr. Kevin Gilmartin, the author of Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement, is going to be one of the presenters. Uh, Jason Schechterly, whose story of survival after being incredibly burned in a in a when his patrol car was struck, his story of survival is incredible. He's going to be one of the speakers. 
There are going to be amazing speakers, presenters, classes, and you don't want to miss this. We're only going to allow 300 in-person people, and that's in Las Vegas, October 28th through the 30th. And then the night of the 30th is the Brothers in Blue Bash. So go to thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. And you want to register right now for this event because it's going to sell out quick and you do not want to miss it. It just may save your life. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. Unfortunately, I have more names to read today. The first is Lieutenant John Stewart, Lake City Police Department in South Carolina. Lieutenant John Stewart was killed during a vehicle pursuit in the 1000 block of North Matthews Road. Subject involved the initial pursuit with Lake City police officers, then carjacked another vehicle. He was taken into custody following another pursuit involving members of the Florence County Sheriff's Office. Lieutenant Stewart had served in law enforcement for over 20 years. Lieutenant John Stewart, Lake City Police Department, South Carolina. End of watch, Friday, September 17, 2021. Police Officer Noah Ryan LeBlanc, Laguna Vista Police, Texas. Police Officer Noah LeBlanc died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. Officer LeBlanc had served the Laguna Vista Police Department for just three years. He's survived by his two children and his parents. Police Officer Noah Ryan LeBlanc, Laguna Vista Police, Texas. Officer Blaze Madrid Evans, Independence Police Department in Missouri. Officer Blaze Madrid Evans was shot and killed when he was dispatched to the 2300 block of South Northern Boulevard to check for a wanted subject at a residence about 11.30 a.m. As officers encountered the wanted subject, the man opened fire, critically wounded Officer Madrid Evans. Other officers on the scene returned fire and killed the subject. Officer Madrid Evans was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds later that evening. Officer Madrid had graduated from the academy only two months earlier and was still in field training. He survived by his parents and fiance. Officer Blaze Madrid Evans, Independence Police Department, Missouri. End of watch one Wednesday, September 15, 2021. Police Officer Michelle Gattay, Georgetown Police Department, Texas. Police Officer Michelle Gattay died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Officer Gattay was a United States Air Force veteran. She joined the Georgetown Police as an intern before attending the police academy. She had served as a police officer for just nine months. She is survived by her mother, sister, two brothers, nieces, and nephews. Police Officer Michelle Gattay, Georgetown Police Department, Texas. End of watch Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Deputy Sheriff Robert Craig Mills, Butler County Sheriff's Office, Ohio. Deputy Sheriff Robert Mills died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. Deputy Mills has served the Butler County Sheriff's Office for 32 years, survived by his wife, son, and daughter. Deputy Sheriff Robert Craig Mills, Butler County Sheriff's Office, Ohio. And Lieutenant James Gines of the Monroe County Sheriff's. Lieutenant James Gines died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. 
Lieutenant Guy has served with the Monroe County Sheriffs for 26 years. He is survived by his wife, daughter, and grandchildren. Lieutenant James Gines, Monroe County Sheriff's Office, Arkansas. End of watch, Monday, September 13th, 2021. Each of these law enforcement officers gave their lives in service to their communities. May they rest in peace. Thanks so much for joining me again this week on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. I ask a couple things. One, if you want to connect with me, go to my Facebook page at The Voice of American Law Enforcement. Feel free to message me there if you have comments or questions. If you have a story that you think I should cover, then connect with me there as well. Follow me on Twitter at LT Randy Sutton. I even have Instagram now, LT Randy Sutton. I know, I know, I'm finally coming into the 21st century when it comes down to social media. I also ask that you support the Wounded Blue. Go to the go to www.thewoundedblue.org. This is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. If you are a law enforcement officer and you're struggling and you have issues that you want to talk about with people who understand and will keep it completely confidential, connect with us either on our Facebook page, The Wounded Blue, or on our website, thewoundedblue.org, or connect with me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. There are people that care about you. Your blue family does exist. And finally, America, your police are not your enemy. Your police are there to protect you. They care about you. And even though they're being demonized and vilified, I know that most of you believe in those who serve, and I thank you for that. Don't be afraid to come up to a cop and say, hey, man, Thanks for your service. It goes a long, long way. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.